This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 to receive 20% off. They got a ton of stuff from old comic books, new comic books, all the major sporting leagues, cards, anything wrestling related. They got signatures. They got everything. Please visit them at firstrow.ca. If you're into video games and books, please visit BossFightBooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Minesweeper, Parappa the Rappa, Final Fantasy VI, and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at BossFightBooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in that description. Click on the link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to travel mugs. Onesies, anything you need or want, it is there. But the easiest thing, the best thing, the most important thing to do to support the show is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a digital creator that most of you know as the GIF God. He is also the co-owner of the Fallout Shelter, El Rey de la Bodega. Ecuador's very own Hokai. <laughs> Thank you for having me, man. How's it going, my friend? How are you today? Oh, all is well, man. I can't complain. I mean, I've been feeling a bit under the weather recently, but can't complain. You know what? It's that time of season anyways where everyone's feeling under the weather. Like when the, when the transitions, like you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, the crazy thing is like today I'm at work and uh, as I'm walking out on my break, it's, I see snow starting to come out and I'm like, yeah, I'm not ready for this at all. <laughs> Right? We got a bit of snow up here, too. It was sort of a dusting, and it's all melted throughout the day. But to wake up to that first snow where you got to dust off your car, and it's like, oh, no, man. It's like, it's here. Yeah, and it's like, it's not even like the start of winter yet, so it's like, oh, I know. it's going to suck. 
Oh my God. Well, how do you adapt to North American winters? Cause you being Ecuadorian, like my wife is Ecuadorian as people know, and like she's warm body. Like she needs to be hot all the time. Are you the same way? Are you, is it hard for you to adapt to this cold weather? Actually, not really. I mean, what? Because the thing is, I was born, I was born and raised up here, so it's like I'm used okay. to it by now. But, but there's a lot, at this point, it's like the older I get, the more I'm like, all right, I really need to get away and just go somewhere warm because I can't deal with snow anymore. I can't, you know, it, it starts to a point where you wake up in the morning and your body hurts because it's so cold. It's like, yeah, I can't with this anymore. <laughs> See, but my wife was born and raised up here too, and she still hates the winters. And it, it, it's like us; like we wanted to like just go retire somewhere nice, like go south and just stay there. But it's like the way the world is, and we're still a little bit too young. It's like, oh fuck, we still got to deal with these weathers at least a little bit longer, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh my god! So okay, born and raised in the states, but Ecuadorian background. Yeah. You're heavily influenced by Ecuador culture, as I could see looking at you. You have the Ecuadorian flag right behind you. Everyone I know who has any sort of Ecuadorian in them, even if it's 10%, they're like full-blooded Ecuadorian and they're so proud of their culture. Like, growing up in, in your household, how was the Ecuadorian lifestyle? Was it your typical Ecuadorian lifestyle? Big family, like always gathering, speaking Spanish all day? So, crazy thing is like most of my family is back home. Oh. Like right here, it was just, yeah. Like I have family here and there, but it's like most of it was just me, my mom and dad, my brother got rest of soul. And then a couple of uncles, but most of them are more down there in Ecuador. But the way life was here for me and my family was just, yeah, Spanish, the whole, you know, from the moment we would wake up to time we go to sleep, we barely spoke English, even though it was fun because my, my mom speaks perfect, which is, That's you know, when, when you're used to like living back home and doing things the way it was, it's like, yeah, uh, food wise, we make everything that's from over there. Obviously, we're not like the typical, like, oh, yeah, let's have burgers or whatever. Like, no, we're going to have, uh, you know, menetrago, arroy, maduros, and stuff like that. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like we're living the way like we would if we were back over there. Sure. Oh, that's funny. So you guys, so your your family didn't really adapt to, like, I guess, I, I hate to say, like, the white culture, as I put up parentheses. Oh, no. <laughs> no, definitely not. Because it's funny, because, like, when my parents came out here, they were, they came during the time where it was, like, there weren't many Latinos in New York, like unless you were maybe Puerto Rican. Okay, and that was it. They True, was like yeah. what sixties, seventies around there. Okay, yeah, yeah. So like, there weren't many Latinos, so it's like okay, they had a thought you were. I think I forgot what my mom told me. I think they thought she was for some reason Indian or something. What? Know. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> white people, man. But, uh, yeah, 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 no comment. <laughs> but um. But yeah, man, it's it's just one of those things where like when they came out here, obviously they weren't seen as like the typical Latino. But then right. obviously as time went on, it's like all right, there's more of us coming through. And yeah, but they didn't really adapt to that lifestyle. They always made it seem like it was home for them, like trying to make it be like home. See, and that's what I find so hard about those original immigrants back from like the 50s and 60s, and even some in the 70s, like. At least in my instance, like the Portuguese culture was already established here in Toronto. So it was easy for my family to come and integrate. But the way my wife was telling how they used to integrate was like they would meet other Ecuadorians that they had no idea were Ecuadorian. But they would still have to intermingle with like the El Salvadorians, the Chileans. Like, you know what I mean? And there wasn't that specific just Ecuadorian story. It's like tell a Latino or like stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like nowadays where it's like, oh, you fly to New York and you just go to freaking... Go to Corona and Jackson Heights, and everyone is like, "Yeah, you have all of South America there." No, it's like they're all wow. in one place. 
before it's like no you got them scattered around the city and that was about it so have you ever been back to ecuador then oh yeah yeah uh, so i haven't been back in like 10 years but okay. when i was you know when i was little i would go every couple of years with my mom and dad before you know obviously health wise for them it's just kind of possible and then once i started going to school and working and everything was just impossible for me to go back but i do plan on going back hopefully soon Oh, really? Even, I, I don't like to get political on the show, but even with the climate the way it is now, you're still willing to go back? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I know the things right now are not the best back home. Like, it's, especially, like, where I'm from, because I'm from Manta. Oh, okay. Like, Manta, it's it's a paradise, it's beach, you know, it's, 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 beautiful. it's, it's a beautiful city. Yeah. But right now, the crime in the city is so bad. Like, like, it's like yesterday, I was talking to my mom, and she's like, Oh yeah, another shooting in by a mall or whatever. And I'm See. like, well, yeah, but it's like at the same time, it's like I miss my family. I miss being over there. It's like I would literally walk through hell just to go back and see everybody. See, that makes sense because of family. Like, I, I totally get that. Like, me, myself, I, I ended up going in 2015 for the first time. And my in-laws have a place in, in Salinas. So we were by the beach the whole time. It was wow. fucking fantastic. I loved it. Like, the seafood was it's awesome. Yeah, it is the best. Like, you know what I mean? But it was a big culture shock for me. Again, I'm, I'm like 6'2", right? So if people don't know, usually Ecuadorians are typically under six feet, right? So I stood out like a sore thought. Everywhere I went, people were like staring at me. Their jaws would like drop. It was, it was a bit uncomfortable. Like, you know what I mean? But other than that, I had like, it was, it was fantastic. I would, I would go back. No questions asked if there was like literally no crime. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. man. So what do you miss most about going to Ecuador? Other than family, of course. Apart from the family, definitely the food. Like, we can make the food that we make over there here, but it's not the same without the actual ingredients that you find over there. That's true. But, yeah. Like, like one of my favorite breakfasts is um, maduro con cuajada. Okay, yeah. So, so cuajada is like a type of cheese, but it's like very soft. Mm. And like, yeah, it's very soft when you eat it. And you can't like bring it over here, like, because if you bring it, it's, it, it dissolves immediately. So it's like, yeah. That and, um, what is it called? Panada verde. Which is like platano mix out of like actual, yeah, those. Uh, I'll go through a ton of those. <laughs> yeah, like I said, and it's and it's good too because I, I think at one point I read that like Ecuador was one of the hot destination points for Americans to go retire. Like, you know what I mean? So it was like, it was like affordable. It was safe. It was all this. And it's like, and now to hear all this that's going on, it's like, oh man, like what the fuck. <laughs> I mean, it's still affordable. It's just not oh, yeah. the safest anymore. But I mean, it depends where you go, of course. But like anywhere in the world, you you know, you you'll deal with crime and unsafeness, like wherever. Like, but uh, Ecuador is still a place where it's like it's still a beautiful country. You definitely got to go down there and check it out if you ever get a chance. You know, whoever's listening, like definitely check it out. Definitely go to Manabi. Definitely go to Guayas, Quito, and just you know, check out everything that that we have to offer. Well, even Galapagos you know? Islands too. A lot of people don't know that yeah. belongs to Ecuador, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got the, the biggest tour in the world. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, my God, that's awesome. Well, to tie it together with wrestling, my friend, like, other than yourself, obviously, and Hugo Savinovich, who's who actually is a former guest, too, it's like I've never heard of any Ecuadorians, like, being a wrestler, like, or being involved in wrestling, it's, even. Yo, dude, when I found out, like, I was surprised when I found out there was companies running there. Oh, there actually is? 
Yeah, there's a couple companies okay. in War, um, in, in, located in Quito. Okay, there's okay. another one in Guayaquil that they were doing stuff recently, but I haven't heard of them since. But it was called Agresores Inc. And there's a lot of other ones that are, I think popping up now that are starting to run out there. But like, it's it's difficult to know about them because you know we live in a digital media age now where you see everything. You know, it's easy access to a lot of companies all over the world. You know, you got your streaming sites like IWTV, Title Match, and right. so on and so on. And even YouTube, right? But, like, a lot of them don't stream their stuff. And then a lot of them do, like, you know, what I do, like, the, the, the recording with the phone and stuff like that. But it's, right. like, you don't see it posted anywhere. So it's it's hard to, like, see what's going on there, what talent we have down there, you know. But... Yeah, I was surprised. I was like, man, there's not many wrestlers out there. And then even here, I was meeting certain wrestlers of Ecuador descent. I was like, oh, shit, we actually have... Oh, so there is some of these. Okay, good. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, yeah. even South American as a whole, other than, like, I guess Brazil, like, what known wrestlers are from South America? Yeah, that's a good... Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, like, I know right now, if, if I had to say which scenes are very good in South America, without a doubt, it has to be Chile, number one. Okay. I think in South America. Yeah. They got a good uh, reputation when it comes to wrestlers. Like I know they had a couple of guys in. Uh, uh, there was one dude named Max Al that he he, he did the uh, Cruiserweight Classic. Oh, while okay. back. Yeah. Yeah, and then they had a, a, another guy who wrestled in Japan not long ago called. Uh, I think it was Guanchula or something like that. Oh really? But oh, like, they the have wrestlers that are going out to big places and actually making names for themselves, as opposed to like you know Ecuador. We don't have much. Colombia, same thing. Brazil. Right? I know they got a good. They have a company out there. Ironically, called BWF, which kind of brings me uh, certain bad memories of a place here in New York. No, 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 no shade to them. Actually, I, I have a lot of friends that wrestled at that place before they disappeared. But um, yeah, they have a company out there as well. And it's again, it's like they got stuff on YouTube, but it's not seen by anybody else. So it's difficult to say, oh, what's what we have down there? Like when you think of Latin American wrestling, you think of Mexico, Puerto Rico. That's it, right? All right, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it, it's so funny because I find that like most Ecuadorians that I meet love pro wrestling and it's just like a disconnect like what goes wrong where there's not enough people who either want to be wrestling or need yeah. it on TV like you know what I mean it, it's crazy like my father alone like he watches Raw and Smackdown every week <laughs> it's it's crazy because I remember when I was young and going to Ecuador all the time whenever we watched Raw and Smackdown it wasn't like here where it's like oh it's Monday night and then Whatever night they decide to do SmackDown, whether it was Thursday, Friday night, or Tuesday, it was always okay. like, yeah, Saturday morning you would watch it two weeks, three weeks delayed. Oh shit! And like, yeah, <laughs> on a channel over there, and then the next day you would watch like SmackDown or whatever else they were given at the time. Like again, it was always delayed. It wasn't like you would see the actual stuff. Right now, I think they actually fixed everything ever since like they did the whole Foxy a couple years ago. So now they fixed that. But like, it was very hard to watch wrestling back to, back then. No, and then even, yeah, it, it, it is like, crazy. One hundred percent. And then uh, what else? Uh, but it's it's crazy because, like you said, there's a lot of Ecuadorians that love wrestling, but like again, they don't know much about what's going on in their local scene, so they don't know the haters. It's like here in the Independence, you don't realize, hey, there's a wrestling company in my backyard. I should go check them out. You know, like they don't see it as that. So it's like promotion is not the greatest thing. You don't know. Like there's this one guy that I know who. I don't know if he still wrestles, but he was a wrestler recently down there before the pandemic happened. Obviously, things changed, okay. and it, it, it had me laughing because he's like, "Yo, you're one of the few Ecuadorians that are doing stuff in wrestling." I'm like, "Yeah," but I'm like, "I'm not a wrestler, bro." Like, <laughs> right? I'm not. <laughs> he's 
like, yeah, you're one of the few ones that actually mean something. I'm like, well, I mean, that, I appreciate that, but, like, I don't, I'm not bumping, like, I do stuff ringside. That's not, you know, but to hear that, it's like, damn, it's cool, but it sucks, because, like, I want to see more of my our people just fucking, you know, NWE and AEW and all these companies right? just doing their thing, you know? Yeah, no kidding. I totally agree. And I, I wonder if the disconnect is because it's, like back in the day at least like it wasn't like fed to them like as a proper sport like like yeah. like even in portugal like i always bring this up i'll never forget the first time i saw pro wrestling in portugal i i popped huge because it was like oh my god like wrestling's finally here in portugal it was like back in the like mid 90s and it was a random house show that they were showing for some odd reason and the announcing was in portuguese but they revealed everything. They pulled the, like the third curtain down, and they were saying that all the, like everything was fake, and they were laughing at the wrestlers as if it was like a cartoon. And I'm like, "What are you guys doing?" That's actually, I think that is the case back home in Ecuador because I remember when MMA started getting big over there. Because like obviously now you know like we got Chito Vera as like our biggest of course, yeah. name in MMA. Like before when it started popping up, and like I remember they started doing um, what was it? The Ultimate Fighter Latin America. Yeah. Like, that's when they started getting exposed to more, and they're like, oh, "Okay, now you see all these fighters from Latin America." But like, once that whole stuff started popping up, and they see MMA, and they see these dudes beating the living shit out of each other, like, "Yeah, that's what we want. We want real violence." Because it's like, again, like we were talking about earlier, the crime in Ecuador. We're used to violent shit. And it's like, sure. yeah, you see blood and everything every day, literally walking out the building, out your house. It's like you want to see that. You don't want to see guys fucking, you know, flipping and doing whatever the case may be in wrestling. <laughs> No, it's okay. true. Like, that's why some of the best MMA fighters come from Brazil, because of those crazy favelas, right? Yeah, yeah. But, oh, my goodness. Yeah, let's just hope there is more representation soon, because it's so true. It's such a shame. And, like, what would be, like, there? there is no really South American style of wrestling. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have Mexican, you have Puerto Rican. But what is the South American style? Like, let's have people start bringing something different to the table here. We'll see something soon. Like I know there was recently there was a video that had me dying. It was a, but it was pretty cool to see. It was like in Bolivia, I think it was. Like you see these uh, old ladies fucking just wrestling, like like lucha style wrestling with chancas and everything. I was like, yeah, what? Like we need to see more of that. That's what we need to see more. Right. (laughs) Fucking wrestling in 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 the mountains. Oh my goodness! No kidding, right? Oh shit! Well, again, speaking of wrestling, my friend. So, how did you get your toes dipped into it for the first time? What made you want to get into this crazy world? Like, lead me through the the progression here from start to to, to present. So when I so I became a fan, like literally, and then I know it sounds corny, but I was literally born a fan because what happened was before so I was born in ninety one, okay. right? And beforehand, my my father and my brother, what they used to do was they used to record a lot of like 80s style wrestling. So oh, like okay. uh, Saturday Night's Main Event. Sure. So they would my watch that and then record those tapes. And literally that was the uh, the first thing I would literally watch like as, as I was born. I'd be with my brother just watching those tapes nonstop. And I got hooked on it. And then as, the, as you know, as time went on, you know, living in New York, obviously can't, especially when you live in the, in the hood, you're like, you can't afford cable and stuff like that to watch Raw and all that. So, right. you know, we had a hot, we had a hot box. Um, Love those, those things. Know, for those that know what the hot box is, it's basically illegal cable. Um, but uh, <laughs> we had that for a while, and that's how I pretty much consumed my wrestling. Mm-hmm. And as time went on, like the older I got, I 
honestly, I never intended to get into business. Like, I wanted to be a wrestler, but I never, so I never really went to a school. Like, I had opportunities to, like, check out a school and train. But okay. When I realized, A, how much you're paying, it's like, I'm not paying that much to fucking do it. <laughs> and then I realized also because, again, as an Ecuadorian, we play a lot of sports like football and all this other stuff. I messed up my knees and my hip and back a lot playing football because we, when we play, we play like, like straight up like fucking yard soccer, like sure. like prison yard soccer or whatever. Like we would yeah. beat their shit out of each other, break each other's legs and whatnot. And at that point, it's like, all right, I'm in my mid twenties. There's no way in hell I'm gonna be doing this for the rest of my life. It hurts. Like it sucks. Like I want to do it, but I can't. And then at the same time, I just couldn't afford to do it. So. Like, I never, at that point, I was like, I'm just going to be a fan. It is it is what it is. I'm not going to do anything in it. Sure. And then, obviously, uh, around, I want to say 2014, 15, the whole gift craze came out with Twitter. Like, I, I remember at first, it was one of the things, like, if you wanted to upload a gift, you had to upload it to a third-party site like Enger. And That's then right. And that into Twitter. Yeah. And then what got me wanted to do it was, and it's funny because it's, it's ties to MMA now. So there was a gift for, at the time, that did a lot of MMA. Who I believe he's in Canada as well. Okay. His name was Zombie Prophet. Okay. Like he did all the UFC stuff and all that stuff. You know, I don't know. No, wait, no, he's in Florida, I think. Florida. But um, he did all of the MMA stuff, and obviously I was like into it because I'm like I'm watching this stuff. I'm seeing these clips pop up, random dudes getting knocked out left and right, and it was like, all right, maybe I should do it for wrestling. Just mm-hmm. because at that point I was going to college, I go to school, and then I'm home all day doing nothing. I'm like I'm bored. Sure. Obviously, wrestling is the only thing I would watch. <laughs> So I would do it, and then I realized, oh, there's actual dudes that are doing it right now. You know, shout out to uh, Lariato, obviously, and uh, a name that many people don't remember anymore because he disappeared off the map. Uh, mm. DTAM, Death to Mars. Mm. Those are the first two guys that were doing the whole gifting. Gotcha. And so I started doing it too. I was doing a lot of like Japanese and Indian lucha stuff. Okay. And then somehow I don't know why, but like we got really over with it. With like the workers, the wrestlers loved it. They're like, "Yeah, you're promoting our stuff because these fucking promoters will do it." Ah. Promoters, promoters obviously hated us because they were like, "Yeah, you're giving away my content for free and stuff." So it's like, "Yeah, you know." But like, some way, somehow, I want to say two. Wait, this is 2014, 15. So then by 2017, um, I go to a CZW show. It was nice. the anniversary show. Okay. And I went to the anniversary show. And, like, I met some of the workers at this point I was already cool with through Twitter because of the fact that they were happy that I used to put over their stuff. And some of the guys were like, yo, we need to introduce you to the boss. I was like, okay, cool. So I met DJ Hyde and them, and they were like, yo, we appreciate the stuff you do. It, it's cool that you put them over and everything, and you put us over. Um, You want a job here? And I was like, wait, what? Nice. <laughs> like, it, it caught me off guard because I was right. like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, you want to work here? And I was like, shh. Like, I thought it was a rib. I was like, hell yeah, I want to work here. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> and then, like, he tells me, oh, call me during the, call me midweek, we'll talk everything out. So I called the guy, and then obviously it was like, I don't know what I'm doing because he wants me to present his ideas, but I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Right. I have no idea how I'm going to help you out. <laughs> so then, ironically, at that point, I was really good with Sammy Callahan. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I had met him the year before at a House of Glory show. Nice. And, like, he was apparently, apparently he was a fan of my work. So I was like, oh, shit, like, here's one of my favorite wrestlers, and apparently he's a fan of me. That's awesome. So, like, we became real cool at that point. Right. And when I went to the follow-up show at, what it was March of 2017, he was there, and he tells me, like, yo, listen, 
I'm pretty much taking over as Booker here. I want you a part of this team. I spoke to DJ and them, and it's like, yo, we want you, you know, we want you part of the company. I was like, bet, say less. And he's like, all right, what I want you to do is, just like you do your whole thing online with the gifts, I want you to take your phone, go ringside, and start filming and just clip stuff up and put it online. And I was like, okay, easy. And then I realized, I'm like, wait, this is legit happening. This is my, I'm actually working in wrestling now. I'm working ringside. And then it turned out to be like, it was like, oh shit, this is a Jacob Chu, but also like a nightmare because this is CZW at the time where the fans were still like, it was still a packed house at at the Voorhees skate zone. The fans were still like rabid. So it's like, you see somebody, like, remember at this point, 2017, you go to a wrestling show and people, you see it with a phone out. You're like, oh, put that shit away. Watch the show. Whatever. You You never saw anybody with a phone out, right? Yeah. So now they see this random chubby Latin kid ringside wearing a CZW shirt and a CZW hat, pulling out his phone and filming stuff. And they're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? You know, why is he here? So I'm being yelled at left and right. I'm being told by, like, manager, like, oh, no, keep filming, keep doing your thing. Like, that's why we brought you here. Meanwhile, I got fans going off on me, and I was like, yo, this is the weirdest fucking day of my life. But that's pretty much how I got my start in the business, and it's crazy to say, because I think now I'm going into seven years. Oh, shit. Sure. I've wrestling now. Nice. Doing the stuff, and it, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've been given because these people felt that I deserved it, mm-hmm. I've earned it, and, um, it's been one hell of a ride, man. Like I've never thought I'd work these places that I have. I never thought I'd be able to go to places that I've been to, but, but it's it's been great. No, that's awesome to hear. Holy shit! Yeah, no, and like you, like you even made it up here to Canada. Like I, I noticed your shit online too. Like you know what I mean? When those gifts started coming yeah. out and stuff, and you were just like, if you were in wrestling, people would know. Like if you want a good gift or if you want something from a match, go check out Hokai's uh, site and you'll get it right there. Like you know what I mean? So you were like on ev- everyone's tongue, and and, that, and that's awesome to hear. Like that, it literally came up. Again, I hate to always use the word organically, but it literally did. And then you 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 worked hard, and now you are where you are, and that, that's awesome, man. Fuck. Yeah, it's, it's like they said. I basically created a job for myself because I wasn't taking Actually, nobody's yeah. money. And that's what happened. And it's kind of funny because you say that. Um, that was literally somebody. I forgot who told me this. I think it was. Fuck, I forgot who. It was at MLW when I was working with them at the time. But they were like, okay. "Yo, I like, oh, I haven't watched wrestling in a minute, like." I just go to your account and just basically see what you put up. And that's how I watched my wrestling. I was like, well, cool. (laughs) My good. Okay. A couple of questions then about some of your gifts. What Uh, was your first gift that went actual viral? And what was the gift that's gotten you the most hits? Uh, I don't remember what was my first one that went viral, honestly. Like there was a lot of them, but Honestly, I can't recall which was the first one. But the one that got me the most hits, I know for sure, was, okay. um, ironically, your, your one of your past um, guests, oh. Big Game Leroy. There you go. So, we, we this is when I was working at House of Glory at the time. Okay. We, uh, I think it was my first show with them, too. He had a match. He was like in a scramble match or something. Okay. And this this is when he, he was starting to debut the, uh, the, obviously, the Switch gimmick. Gotcha. So he did like a whole thing where he's going against, uh, I believe it was Nolo Katano. Mm-hmm. They're going at it in the ring. And he does this whole thing with the Switch Can Run, as we called it. And that clip, like I remember I posted it during the show, no hits, nothing, whatever. Okay. I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning and it's 
it was like over 10,000 something hits. I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and it was like, it was like Nintendo, like people from like the gaming world saw it. They're like, oh, oh shit. This, kid, this guy with a fucking Switch, he's wrestling. Holy shit. Like they were popping. Obviously, the wrestling fans that, that enjoy wrestling were popping for it. Then you had the people that obviously hate wrestling, I guess, for whatever reason it is, but they watch it. And they were just like, you know, tagging Jim Cornette and whatever. And they're like, always. <laughs> Um, and of it was course. just, I was like, yo, what is going on, man? Like, I had to legit turn off my phone because my battery was dying from all wow. the stuff that was going on with that one clip. But that was the one that really popped. Because then I'm getting articles from, like, Spain and Japan and China. <laughs> and with, like, like, yeah, them tagging me and stuff. And I was like, yo, this is dumb. This is lit. <laughs> but, See, when done like, right, a good crossover always gets more hits than you just your regular type of shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what people don't understand. And that's like, like obviously WWE and even AEW now does it. When they do those crossover things, it's not for the people who already are watching wrestling. It's to bring new eyes in and then they could potentially stay there. Yeah. You always try to attract new viewers. You always try to do new things to get the, the casual, the non-casual fan, like the ones that don't know what it is. That's why like, I love doing shows that are at uh, breweries here in New York. Okay. Yeah. You always get those, you get those fans that are like, "Hey, I'm here to drink. I'm here to do whatever," but they don't watch wrestling. They don't know sure. what it is. Next thing you know, they're they're sitting there. Obviously, they buy a ticket and they're popping for a fucking chop or a <laughs> like the simplest shit. Right. You don't gotta do no four fifty, no fucking, you know, Canadian destroyer. No, just a simple chop. And they're like, "Oh, holy shit!" Like you know, they're losing their minds. Like I love, I love, I love doing shows when it's like the non fans because they really just enjoy more than actual fans apparently nowadays. <laughs> Well, oh yeah, that's because every fan is is a critic. Like, you know what I mean? Like, someone posted something the other day and was like, can we just go back to being 10 years old and watching wrestling Saturday mornings without the internet and breaking down every single thing? Just enjoy for what it is. No, I wish. I wish that was the case. I know. I know, you can't. Okay, how about this one? What was your favorite type of event that you covered? For whatever reason, either because it was a great show or just because you had a great time yourself. Oh my god, yeah. So <laughs> I always talk about this, and it's funny because I talked to um, one of the person, one of the people that was on that show actually recently too. Um, okay. So one of my close friends is Mia Yim. Okay. And we did a uh, so this is for Battle Club Pro, my basically my home base here in New York. Okay. That's the parent company for Fallout Shelter. Gotcha. And we did. A, I think it was our first ever women's show. We did it in Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. Nice. And what had happened was, so we get to the venue, like always, you know, we're getting ready to set up and just enjoy, just do our show and do our thing, right? Yeah. And we get to, and then one of the things that I hate about Ridgefield Park is they always double book the place. Oh. So you have the top, like the 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 main vent, the main room is always where the wrestling happens. Okay. And then there's a room downstairs, which usually is the locker room. Mm. Instead, they were like, no, we're going to have a party here. So there's a quinceanera going on. Oh. <laughs> of uh, course. And usually that'd be like the worst. Like at that point, we're like, oh, we got to do with this stuff and whatever. It turned out to be the greatest night ever. Because oh, okay. upstairs we have all these women going out there, killing it, doing their thing, showing why women's wrestling is dope. Of course. And then downstairs you have this party going on and it's just Spanish music blasting in the, in the, in the room. Love it. Like you could feel the floor vibrating from the music going on. Love it. Like, my favorite match of the night, obviously, like I said, it's not that I'm being biased because she's one of my best friends, but it was Mia Yim and Tessa Blanchard. They're beating the shit out of each other around the room, like, literally going at it. Meanwhile, I'm hearing um, Suavemente jump from the floor. <laughs> Love it. 
you just feel it vibrate on your feet, and it's like I don't know whether to like keep filming this or just dance right now because it's like it's a fucking vibe, yo. Right. But yeah, that that was definitely one of my favorite shows just to film, just because of the fact that it's like, yo, we have a dope show going on, and then we have a four wheel keep Santiago going on under us. Oh my uh, goodness, <laughs> that's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Richfield Park stories there. Oh man. How about this one? Since, okay, now you've been doing it seven years. You could see people progress within seven years. Who was one person in that first year you started in that no one gave a chance and now is just thriving? First year? Damn. Uh, I can't remember because a lot of the guys and girls that I worked with first year are now, like, most of them are now in WWE and AEW. So, like... Obviously, you had like a lot of guys like obviously your Sammy Callahan's, your you know your Wesley, Zachary Wentz, uh, of course your Mia Yims, your Joe Gacy's. There you go. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I, you know what? I, I will say one guy that I met that year, uh, and I met him at a random show that I was working at, at the time, and now he happens to be one of my coaches too at Fallout. Is uh, Steve Pena? Oh, okay. Pena was, Steve Pena was one of those guys that, for some reason, like. You know, he's a Bronx-born kid, you know, who obviously works hard for everything he does. He wasn't getting, like, those big moments, like, opportunities to, like, really showcase himself. Okay. And then, I think that same year, he decided to take a chance on himself, and he went to Germany. Oh, I don't know if it was that year or year after, but he went to Germany to go to WXW and did this thing down there. And then now, obviously, he's, you know, now, like I said, it's been almost seven years now, and it's like... This dude has progressed so much. Wrestling random ass people in fucking Darrow's uh, Fitness, which is the building here in the Bronx, which was uh, BWS building. Okay. So now, like, you know, he's traveling a bit more out there. He's actually, you know, he's winning titles everywhere. And, like, you know, he's showing why he is one of the best in New York. And, like, he, like, recently, there was a match posted on YouTube, too, that if you ever get a chance to check it out, okay. the only title match is, uh, uh, YouTube channel, mm-hmm. it's him and Brian Keith. They oh. fucking killed it at, at one of our last shows that we did. Nice. So that's what I'm about to check out. But yeah, man, definitely Steve Pena. Oh, there you go. Well, speaking of the Fallout Shelter, well, first off and foremost, great name, my friend. I, as people know, I'm huge into video games. Fallout's one of my favorite series of all time. And great name. So how did all this come to be? And were you approached or was this your idea? So no, the, the name and everything came from my boy uh, Joe Kimmerales, who's the majority owner of Battle for Pro. Okay. So him and our good friend Mr. Elliot Martinez, who's you know the ambassador and pretty much owner of the uh, Federated brand, um, they came together and they were like, "Yo, we we have a place here. We, we have a ring. We <laughs> might as well do what we like." Because so the thing is, before the pandemic, me and Joe, we actually we were on a, on a car ride going to a, a show. I don't remember if it was New Jersey, or Connecticut, but we were going to a show. Okay. And we normally when we when we're in the car, we always shoot the shit. Like, it was fun times and everything. This was the first time we had a full-blown serious conversation for, like, a couple hours. Oh. And it's like, you know, 2020. Obviously, we know what happened in 2020. You know, the world went to shit. Of course. But the goal was 2020, we want to make Battle Club a legit company and, like, run more consistently. Because at the time, it was, like, maybe two, three times a year they were running. Oh, and it's okay. like, no, we were every couple of months. We want to legit bring in talent like that, that are... The ones that don't get opportunities, we want to give them the opportunity, you know? Sure. And then, obviously, the main goal was, within five years, I will open up the school. And that was his goal. 
and me being the person that I am, like, you know, again, he's my best friend, he's my brother, basically, I'm like, yo, whatever you do, I got you, like, I'm here with you, you know, you know, it, it, definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100% of the way, and then my surprise, 2021 hits, and they tell me, yeah, you know, I was talking to Elliot, you know, we have a spot, and, you know, we're going to move the ring in, and we're going to open up a school, and I'm like, wait, you're opening up a school now? Bet, where? It's like, Long Island City, Queens. So I was like, all right. And then he tells me, yo, come down, check out the building. Okay. It was like a February or sure. March. I don't remember the actual month when he told me. Okay. All I know is it was cold as shit and I was pissed off because I had I got lost in Queens. Because, you know, <laughs> Queens is one of those things where it's like you have Avenue A next to uh, A Street next to A Boulevard. It's in this, this, this three blocks in the same distance. So I was like, I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going. I'm freezing. <laughs> And, then, and I get to the building, I'm being looked at by somebody who looks like he wants to rob me. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Right. And That's hilarious. So finally I get there, and they show this place, it's a small spot, and it's like, all right, yo, this this looks doable. Let's see what we can do. And I was like, like I said, you guys are going to run to school, and um, I'm with you on the way. I'll help out with whatever y'all need. So he's like, bet. So then they decide to do, like, a commercial. We filmed it real quick, like, a couple weeks later. And then the school opened up in, like, I want to say it was March. Like okay. mid March or so, and once the school opened up, you know they were running for like a couple months. I want to say it was like two or three months after they opened. Mm-hmm. And I remember I show up to the building one day, and I just walk into the office and I see Joe and Elliot, and they look at me like I did something wrong. Like they give me the stare, and I was like, "Yo, is everything cool? Did I like what what happened? Who died? Did I get canceled? Like what? What? Why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me that way? <laughs> they get canceled, right?" <laughs> So then they were like, no, we had a full-blown conversation right now, and ironically, you were part of the topic. Nice. And they're like, listen, you've been with us since day one. Like, Battle Club 2016, I was their first show as a fan, and then two shows later, I, I joined them, you know, working with them. Uh, Federated, as a fan, I supported them when, you know, 2015, around there, like, when I first started going to shows again. Right. I would always go there, and Elliot, like, we knew each other for a long time. I was supporting his brand and everything. And it's like, yeah, you've been with us since day one. You've always with us. You always supported us. You were always down with us when things were bad. Like, it was like, how do you feel about joining us, the ownership team? You know, become a minority owner with us. And I was like, <laughs> because they're like at the end of the day, we we share the same idea when it comes to wrestling. We obviously love the sport a lot. We always, we, you know, we, we want to fix it because obviously by that point, wrestling was fucking dead with everything that happened. And it's like, we want to get rid of the, the carniness. We want to get rid of the scumbag right. and shit. So it's like, yeah, you know, let's let's change this game together. Let's do it together. And I was like, you know what? I'm in. So I joined up around that time, and ever since then, it's been almost, now uh, I think, two and a half years that we've been around. Almost oh, three shit. next year. Look at that. So, yeah. And it's it's one, I, I will say, this is one of my biggest prides right now. Because, like, one of my biggest pride and joys. Because, see, like, I've always, when I did the whole gift thing, it's like, yeah, you see wrestlers coming up here and there, like, now they're WWE. You see them growing, but like now to see them like first day in getting in the ring to now like like you know one of our top students right now I'll say Sammy Chaos for example. Okay. You know she's this girl that when she came to us you know she she trained a bit elsewhere but wasn't like fully like you know like she needed a lot of work though and she knew it and she came to us put in the work fucking you see how now from the moment she first stepped into now like she's booked everywhere every week she's working she's nice. killing it you know winning championships now and it's like 
to see people grow that way, man. Like your first day in school and now seeing you just shining, it's it's the best thing to see, you know. No, I could only imagine. My God, yeah, that sounds awesome. And okay, so what do you guys offer? Is it straight? Like, do you have to be strictly green, or is it like a touch-up school? What, what do you guys offer out there? No, so everybody is welcome at Fallout. Like, doors open to everyone. Okay. If you're somebody who aspires to be a wrestler, a manager, uh, a referee, like oh, okay, so you offer everything. Um, whether you whether it's first day in, never trying to day your life, or if you're somebody who's been around for your, you know a minute and you're just looking for someone to train, or you're someone who's been years in and you just said hey man i just need to touch stuff up like we accept everybody and just like yo you know we we have a great coach staff that will help you with everything that you need well that's awesome and i'm assuming you guys also have like guest trainers and probably guest seminars and stuff like that too right all that fun stuff yeah yeah like like i know like right now right now we're in the process of moving so we just moved into our new building which pretty soon like if you stay uh Keep an eye on our socials. We'll uh, we'll have all the information out soon. But at the moment, we're still in the process of moving our our school and, and move, like fixing up the place because obviously we want to make sure that the place is safe for not just our students but everybody else. You know, sure. coming through. Um, but like recently, when we we had a session recently, and like we had again, Mia Yim was there. We had Santana there. Oh, nice. Uh, we usually do get people from time to time. You know, the coaches will bring somebody in, and yeah, we always get like guests. Guest coaches and stuff like that. Now, what, what's the hardest thing or most annoying thing about owning a wrestling school? Come on, lay it on me here. Don't don't don't, don't sugarcoat oh it. What's the most annoying thing? Ah, where, where do I start, man? Uh, I definitely say when when you get those people that come in thinking that everything is going to be handed to them. Oh, okay. That's. Like, we get random people show up one minute, and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, you know, I want to train to be a wrestler. It's my goal, my dream, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, a month in, they'll be like, yeah, so I'm ready to start working. I'm like, no, you're not. You can barely lock up, bro. You can barely run the ropes. Like, if your coaches say you're not ready, you're not ready. Like, I'm not going to – we're not going to put our name on you and then have you go out there and shit the bed. And, you know, it's, you know, it's either that or you get people, like, once they start training, they start slacking. Oh. You know, they take one look, and all of a sudden, then it's like – like thankfully we we haven't had much of that at all, okay. but no, like I've seen it elsewhere too. Because like I said, like when I wanted to, you know, like I've seen other schools, I've worked other places as well, and it's like you always get that one person that decides, yeah, I'm, I'm training, I'm doing this, and next thing you know, they take one book, you know, all of a sudden, hey, I'm ready to be everywhere, I don't get a training board. It's like, no, that's not the case, man. That's not the case, bro. Like, nah, man, you you go out there, like you got to one of the things I always I've learned in wrestling is like you you always hear this said a lot. It's like you always keep learning. You got people who have been around for years and like you still learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. So like don't give me that shit talking about hey uh, I took a booking here and they they love me and they're gonna put a title on me too and it's like bro it's one booking get your ass in train. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves in New York City is like a lot of these guys nowadays. I see a lot of people on Facebook complaining about, yo, I don't get booked anywhere. I don't get this. Like, bro, you don't do anything. You don't train. You don't promote yourself. How? Why would anyone book you if they don't know you? That's another you know? thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it, but, yeah, man, that's definitely one of my pet peeves. No, it's, it's, it's like a double-edged sword almost with some of these indie guys because, yeah, you are, like, some of them in their mind think they're great enough and they're polished and whatever. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> it's true. It's like, okay, you are good enough, but you're not putting yourself out there or... 
you're not doing something that people are telling you to do and you keep ignoring it. So obviously like there's something missing, like in in a perfect world, obviously everyone's going to get signed. Right. Of course. But if you're not signed, there's a reason why you're not signed. Like it's like how you said, like that carny way of thinking is sort of slowly moving out now. So if you're not signed, it's not because someone doesn't like you. It's because either you did something or you're not polished enough, plain and simple nowadays. You're not putting in the work, but it's, that it's too. work in progress. It's what it is. How about anyone coming in? And this is always funny. I love always asking people about this in trainers. Anyone ask to be trained for death matches? Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yes. We really? have that. Well, well, the thing is, because, like, again, I told you, we have a great coaching staff. Right. And I love that we have, you know, people like Steve Pena, like, Jorge Santi, like Mike Law, like uh, Steve Dubang, um, like Ahmed, Prince Ahmed. Oh. And then, of course, our two coaches, our two coaches that are the deaf ma- that known as deaf match people, TV's own MLWs, who ironically is MLW tonight, Akira. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, MX, Masha Slavovich. Oh, my God. So when people see Masha and Akira, they're like, yeah, I wonder how to do this and this. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's, I don't know. I mean, I mean, okay. I mean, <laughs> If, if they want to teach you it, that's, I guess, up to them. But, like, that's, no. <laughs> Just no. Like, there's a time and place, I think, to learn that. But, like, not first day training, like, hey, yeah, we're going to learn how to gig and, and take chairs. I'm like, no, bro. Actually, that, that is a good point. You got to learn <clears throat> your basics, sort of like how they always say, you got to learn how to walk before you run, right? And to me, death matches is like running because anything could go wrong and you got to be sure you know what the fuck you're doing, right? Like, like I know the biggest mistake with light tubes, for example. People think any light tube works, and that's like, you know, like, no, you, you take the wrong light tube, your life is done. There's a difference between the thin tubes and, like, those thick tubes that crumble, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, well, yeah, it's it's always funny, though, because they'd be like, yeah, I, I heard a keyword monster coach there. Uh, do you do death match classes? I'm like, bro, get up, go away. Go away. <laughs> my goodness i know some people just don't get it i guess well how about you yourself what's your favorite type of wrestling or wrestling style that you would consume if it was only that type of style forever jeez i don't think i have like i don't think i could choose a favorite style honestly because i love all types of wrestling i'm like that type of person okay but if i had to i'd say lucha okay I don't mean I don't mean like you know AAA lucha libre where it's like yeah fucking balls to the wall fucking high flight jumping off fucking crazy and shit like I mean I like it but it's not like the the actual lucha libre like people don't realize real lucha libre is mat work it's Olympic style wrestling yes so, I've had like, this conversation okay. with Mister Iguana uh, once upon a time on the show so yes he explained oh, it all I love him. I love Iguana that's that's my yeah he's guy. the best uh, but it's like that's why like my favorite guys are like you know like. Negro Navarro, like, you yep. know. That was brought uh, up. He was brought Negro up, too. Casa, so yep. like, those are my favorite wrestlers growing up, you know, just watching them do their thing. And they, they weren't doing flippy shit. They were doing fucking mat work and holds and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. But that's that's definitely one of my first styles to watch. And but at the same time, at the end of the day, I like, I like all wrestling. Man. It's, I can't, I can't, differ. especially since my first job was in deathmatch wrestling. So I was like, you know, like literally my first night on the job, I have Matt Trebon's blood on my jeans. So it's oh, like, shit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's true. I think you need a little bit of everything to make a good show. Like you know what I mean. Like it's okay to have like a full yeah. show of something, but at the same time, <clears throat> like I don't want to see like a death match every week on TV. 
But then, like the right. one that, like one that stands out right now recently is Swerve versus uh, Hangman. That that was a fantastic, yeah. uh, well, whatever you want to label it, death match, anything goes, rules, whatever. But yeah. it's like every once in a while, sure. But to have it all the time, it's like okay, let's like yeah. you know. And the same thing with, with like. I guess the flippy shit, as people call it. Like, I don't want to see every match be a flippy match. Like, you know what I mean? Because me, as being a Canadian, maybe it's just me. I like technical sound wrestling where people are grappling and exchanging holds. And you see an atomic drop done properly and everything. And it's so sweet. Oh, to me, if I was to pick one, it would be a technical style type of wrestling. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But again, that's what makes wrestling good. You have a little bit of everything, my friend. Yeah, you got all, all types of flavors. Okay, since it is the end of the year, everyone's talking about matches the year, promoters of the year, all this sort of stuff. I don't want to go into too much depth, but what you've seen yourself, not what you've heard, just what you've seen. What what is your favorite wrestler of the year? Promotion and match. How about that? We'll just stick with the big three. Oh man. So when it comes to match year, I'm gonna be honest, I have not been watching as much wrestling this year because of just staying busy and everything going on with, you know, real life stuff and then of course the school and sure. you know. Um but uh see, you said it was match, wrestler year and promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh wrestler year well, well and I might sound biased because again she's one of my coaches, but like Mosh has been one of those females and just in general, like one of those wrestlers in general, it doesn't matter if you're male or female who's yeah. Been having a crazy year. She Whether has. she's been doing her stuff at Impact or GCW or just any company that she's at, she's having matches, like match after match, that's fucking banger after banger, you know. And obviously, like, like we, we a couple months ago when the what was it, uh, the Sports Illustrated thing came out that she was like number ten in the year of the world. That's right. And like, like that's crazy, especially uh, for a female who's not signed to the top like two companies. Exactly. You know, there. So it's like to me, Masha's definitely one of those friends who's having. A, fucking great year so no. she's definitely my rest of the year promotion of the year uh I don't know like I said I haven't been watching as much to really say but it is a tough year because everyone's having a good year yeah yeah that's the thing like yeah it really is um yeah I don't know I don't, I don't think I can just really name one right now because again it, Everyone's having a good year, but I haven't been paying much attention. It's just I've been focused more on personal life and then obviously, like, other stuff that's, like, eh. No, that's fair. Of but, course. like, I, if I had to say, like, from matches that I have seen, probably, probably Impact. That's a good shout-out. I know they're so secretly under the radar for some people. Like, to me, I th- obviously, they are the third one behind because oh, you can't compare with AEW and WWE now they're the two big ones but I think they're easily a third and if they had the backing that those other two companies were <laughs> oh, yeah. all three of them would oh, yeah. be on par bar none yeah that's what I always say like if they had the financial backing if they had AEW money then bro they would easily be number two it's because it's they're owned by a Canadian company and the conversion rate isn't that good so <laughs> <laughs> we need some American conglomerate to come in and buy Impact up or TNA now as they're back to TNA. As they're back, yeah. I'm actually glad for that. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped to see how that goes. 
the rebirth back together. Well, I I used to love to, like speaking of at one point they were the solid number two, like literally right behind yeah. WWE at one point. Like when when Christian Cage went there for the first time, then Angle, like that's when it blew up even more. But I was like an original one when it was still all like uh, I think it was Foxnet or Sports Fox or whatever yes. it was that weekly pay per view stuff. That. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. they. I, I, I remember. I would love getting home. Like, I think it was every Wednesday night. It was Wednesday or Tuesday afternoon. I don't remember. Okay. And it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And turn on Fox Sports and there was TNA playing. And I was like, that's that was everything I would watch during that afternoon. Always. And it was so great, too, because people don't realize it was sort of at the cusp of also the internet blowing up, too. And it was when WCW yes. was just bought. So then everyone who pretty much got released from WCW went over to right TNA, there. plus a whole handful of indie guys. So it was like, oh, this yeah. is so alternative. This is so different. Obviously, uh, the eight-sided ring or six or whatever th- they had, uh, yeah. that was fantastic, too, because it was different. And I don't think they missed on a pay-per-view for a solid good three to four years. I don't think so. No, it was everything they hit that there was a hit. I remember that for sure. Yeah. And now you see the, the fruits of their labor, like all these guys that came out of pretty much TNA that either went on to have a great WWE career or now in AEW, right? Right, right. See, we need more of those companies. That's, I just wish there was, I don't know, just, there's not enough time, I guess. And how are you going to have everyone watching everything, right? Mm-hmm. That's the issue now. It's like there's so much wrestling and it's not enough time. So it's like, man, like, like I remember, like, again, when I was doing the whole game thing at first, if you literally looked at my account from, like, 2014 to, like, maybe 2019 or 2020, okay. it was literally wrestling the whole fucking day. I was posting stuff in the morning, <laughs> in the afternoon, even at night. There's probably, like, three or four shows a day, and it's like, it got to a point where I'm thinking, like, what the hell am I doing in my life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But now it's like I, I don't have time anymore. It's just, you know, work and real life and everything else. It's like, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> no, most definitely. Okay, now quickly, just how about match of the year? Uh, Probably the, the one we were talking about, the Swerve and Hangman one. Yeah. Maybe because that's the one I recently just saw, so I was like, it's still fresh in my head. Well, I've talked about it before too, but I got to, since we were talking about uh, Impact and TNA, mine was Osprey versus Speedball. Oh, that match was, I don't know if you had a chance to watch that one. Yeah, that was a good, that was definitely a good match. That, that was, was a crazy good. match, man. Oh my goodness. Well, Hokai, thank you so much for coming aboard today, my friend. It's been a blast. It's been a pleasure. Promote whatever you want to promote out there, shows, social media, floor's all yours, my friend. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, follow me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called nowadays, and Instagram at Hokai19. That's J O C A Y one nine. And then of course follow my school, uh, the Fallout Shelter, on both Instagram and Twitter or X or whatever you want to call that uh, at the Fallout underscore one hundred one. Uh, upcoming shows that I got coming up. Uh, so next week I'll be at ETU on the sixteenth, which is going to be in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, like I know Kushida's on that card, which that's fucking awesome. Nice. Uh, and then a day after, I'm most likely going to be in uh, Heart of the Grace, Maryland for a CZW Limelight. And then my final show of the year is going to be over at uh, Pro Wrestling Magic the following Saturday. The, uh, I believe it's the 23rd, I think. Yeah, it, oh, that's over by Richfield Park, New Jersey, or as they call it, the Mecca. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Nice. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and X under Finger Styles, or you can follow the podcast on X, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them, almost definitely helps me out. And most importantly, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. And if this is the first time you listen to the podcast and you want to listen to other wrestling-themed episodes, go back in the catalog. We've been talking about TNA. I've had a ton of their former world champions on, from Nick Aldis to Jeff Jarrett and so many others. All right. I got to know, my friend. I read this article. I hope you don't get offended by this. But I read this article a few months back. And <laughs> according to a recent study, I don't know if you are aware of this, my friend. I don't know if it's something to be proud of or what, but a study showed that Ecuadorian men have the biggest penises in the world. <laughs> you care to elaborate? <laughs> I, I did hear that. I did hear that. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing is, because I always keep up with the news, like, back home. Okay, yeah. And, like, especially because on Instagram, I'll probably follow a lot of, like, the meme accounts. Right. When that whole thing came out, the, uh, the amount of posts that came of it, it was just, like, like, yeah, we got the biggest eggs I was. Like, <laughs> like, it was good. Like, like, come on, let's go. Like, you know, like, it's, it was, I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's something. I mean. Well, I guess it's a good stereotype to have, right? <laughs> if you're going to have any. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. Definitely a great stereotype. <laughs> oh my goodness on that note he's hawkeye i'm steve this is the podcast peace